podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show Week 3 Preview Pod coming your way, gang. And we've got none other than the brilliant Ben Isaacs in the house to get you set. We'll obviously be leading off with Rams, Bucks, Brady, Stafford, two 2-0 sides, two absolutely bona fide contenders in the NFC. Someone's got to give biggest game of the weekend, although it is a close call because we're going to talk Sunday night football as well. Packers, 49ers. We'll look at the Cowboys in a bit more detail. Ben will give us his perspective on some of the rookie quarterbacks as well and how he thinks they are faring. College football expert that he is. Incidentally, if you haven't checked it out already, latest college days has dropped with Ben. We dropped it midweek, so it'll be there in the vault. So uh, go and find that out. Looking at the key prospects in the college game right now that are going to be in the NFL next season. So getting you up to speed way ahead of the curve on the big stars that will be in the NFL this time next year. But that's all to come. That's all the future. What about the here and now? Week three of the NFL coming your way. So let's get down to business. Benedict Isaacs, it is good to see you. The sun is shining. London is a sunny place right now. And the NFL is a sunny place right now. It is living up to the billing, living up to the hype. We're on our heads trying to work out it. I was listening to Bill Simmons getting into this with Cousin Sal on his podcast, and he put forward the argument, are there, are there any really, really strong teams? You can make a case of fallibility for any of the contenders, right? Um, you absolutely can. And, you know, when we, when we next talk college football, that's, that's very much the theme there as well, that there's loads of really interesting teams, but there aren't, there aren't, there aren't a handful of teams that you can be like, Oh, how does anyone beat these guys? Everyone, everyone's got their flaws. Everyone's got their strengths. And it's all, even at this, even at this early stage of the season, it's all kind of shaping up quite nicely rather than it being that, you know, it's, who's who's going to beat the chiefs in the super bowl it's mm. you know uh, which is interesting because the chiefs have problems going into the season it very much was it's the bucks in the nfc the chiefs in the afc and you put in cases for the browns the ravens the rams but no clear cut favorites two weeks in two games in that's been that's been torn up i like the fact that you said there are teams that have strengths and teams that have weaknesses and flaws just like life Ben. Oh, just, that, just is, like life. that is true so it's true thing. it's a beautiful thing let's get <laughs> let's get into it rams bucks is obviously where we're going to lead off because it is the game of the weekend no doubt about that with respect to the 49ers packers of course sunday night football incidentally uh, speaking of sunday night football ben isaacs uh, on our edge rush show me and propo ollie the producer dropping saturday mornings getting you set for the weekends uh with all the edge on the action matilda the cat uh picked the Ravens last week in the standing and staring in a very strong wave of opposition to the Ravens winning that straight up. Matilda didn't blink. She picked the Ravens this week. She has made her pick on the edge rusher. You'll have to go over there and listen, but she's got great stats. That's something the the community knows. Exactly right. And this of course was done the scientific way, deep analysis, hours and hours of preparation to make her pick. 
We put a dreamy biscuit in either hand. One hand was the Bucks, one hand was the 49ers, and whichever one she went for was the pick. So you have to check out Edrush to find out uh, with whether she can go 2-0 and on the season. <laughs> because for some reason, she didn't pick the first season, first week. Uh, Rams-Bucks, game of the weekend. Uh, Stafford against Brady. Two contenders, no doubt about it, in the NFC. Two electrifying teams to watch amongst the most enjoyable and exciting teams to watch although if we fast or flip back i should say to last season when the two met this was very much a bucks team that and a bucks offense specifically it was still trying to find its feet right uh, a lot of people are billing this as the brady revenge game because brady didn't have a good time of it against the rams last time out and they pulled off the trick that those few teams that have managed to get the better of Tom Brady over the years are getting pressure up the middle in particular, getting in his face up the middle. That was their key to success, hurrying and hassling and, and putting him off his rhythm, which is no mean feat. So can the Rams repeat the trick this time, do you think? They certainly can, although obviously they, they don't have Jared Goff now. And I, 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 I I, I don't know if um, they should be very, really worried about having the lack of Jared Goff magic to take them it up is a, against the Super Bowl champions. I it mean, is a, can it is they a cope? Oh, poor Jared. I mean, is he, I mean, it's inevitable he was going to become the butt of all jokes. <laughs> I, oh, poor Jared Goff. I, look, I, I get it. I, it's clearly they're going to, and there's a, I'm really interested to get into the, the Rams offense and look at, uh, in particular, what, um, what Stafford brings and drill down a bit more. There was a great piece on PFF by Seth Galina, who said that amongst other things, Stafford's taking the weight off his head coach's shoulders because, because Stafford's so much more expansive because he's got that deep threat because he could improvise. He's not automated in the way that Goff mm-hmm. was. That McVay had to, had to really, really choreograph to the point of certainly restrictive and, and to the point of absurdity. So offense short, no doubt upgrade, uh, in, in the quarterback position and, and year on year. But defense is what I want to start with. Like, can the Rams get to Brady, get through the offensive line? Uh, because if they can, then they have a very serious shot shot at this, right? But it's easier said than done. Yeah, and they and the Rams had such a weird week on defense um, against the Colts. The Colts were moving the ball a hell of a lot and should have scored more points than they did. It was a very strange game for anyone who's anyone who watched it live has watched it back since the, the the Colts can feel a little bit hard done by the Rams deserve to win, but the Rams defense was didn't, didn't do a whole lot to stop the Colts a lot of the time. Mm. And the pressure that was coming from up front from the Rams was not where it should be. It was that pass rush, especially was, was pretty good against the bears, but not fantastic in week one. It was, it was, certainly more than good enough, but the Bears have got a terrible offensive line. Mm. The Colts have a better offensive line, certainly, and they've got Quentin Nelson, and they were able to offset a lot of the things that the Rams do. The Bucks are in the same position, and they've got a strong offensive line, and right. I'm I'm not sure they're going to keep Tom Brady off balance like they did last season. You know, that was, like you say, that was that was a Bucks offense finding its feet, and it clicked in the second half of the season and became very different. And it's just carried on. It's this may as well have like the, the two games that have happened since since the start of the season for the Bucks. It feels like they could have happened in February in the it's this is this is what they were doing to the playoffs. 
They were efficient. They're getting things done. Brady's spreading it around. Brady, to no one's surprise, when there is when there is pressure, he's completely calm. Yeah, I let's think look at they're going to struggle so, with that on the Brady pressure. So, and 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 this is specifically against the blitz. So, uh, note that he is the highest graded quarterback this season so far against the blitz. No surprise there, Brady. No. You know when he can see it coming in that step. Sure, but eight touchdown passes on throws past the sticks. Second quickest average time to throw as well, which is interesting. Um, that surprised me a lot. Yeah, that is. But where I'm intrigued in terms of the the Bucks' offensive strategy in this game is the ground game, right? So Fournette has had in the first two games through the first two games of the season, twenty carries for eighty four yards. Ronald Jones had even less, ten carries for forty one yards, and no one else has had a rushing attempt, right? So better say that. Really emphasize mm. the run a great deal, but will that change in light of this particular defense they're up against? I think I think it needs to, and I think I think we want to see um, I think we want to see some play action mm. because if they just start to get a bit too one dimensional, and you know, we're we're talking about Brady in the box, and it's a it's a fantastic offense, but if you get one dimensional against an elite tier defense that the Rams that the Rams do have, the only elite tier defense that they'll have played this season, then that's that's not going to work. I you know I I don't I don't think the Rams defense is going to get to Brady as much as they need to. They'll mm. know to not blitz like crazy because he'll pick them apart. And you just look at the look at the weapons he's got, and this you know this is why they haven't been running the ball so much. And they, why would you when you've got 11 yeah, exactly, receivers? Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't, they didn't get to a point where they were against the Falcons, where they were just kind of like, okay, we're just going to hand off to Fournette and just, and just kill the game off. They, they were not doing that. And it cost them because the Falcons got back into it. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have expected, but I also, I, I did just think they were going to milk the clock, which they didn't, mm. which they didn't do successfully. Um, the way that Brady's spreading it around going going deep going short doing whatever he has to do they've they've negated the need for Leonard Fournette to a certain extent and you know like Leonard Fournette is a bruiser he's a kind of a, a bulldozer guy who will just make those hard yards and i like he's injury prone but mm-hmm. they're not you know they're not they're not playing him this way and not giving him as many carries in case he gets injured like to be honest they don't care you know they they need to use him how they how they need to use him and I, obviously, the Bucks are going to score points. They're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna score forty-eight. Um, I don't think. Um, but frankly, the worry—the worry for the Bucks, really. I mean, I, if I was the Bucks, I'm not that worried about what the what the Rams' defense is going to do. Mm. Um, as good as You're it is, about your own defense. Exactly. Well, the, exactly. Ground, the ground game, of course, they've been very effective in preventing. They've only allowed, this is Tampa Bay, 115 yards on the ground. That's an average of three per carry, right? That's the, uh, you know, standout. And they had, of course, the best run D in the league last season. And Vita Vea is a beast trademark, no doubt about it. But mm, not so great at the other end of proceedings. Now, you've got to look at this a little bit. Uh, carefully, this, these kind of stats, because it, certainly at the Atlanta game, Dallas was closer and more of a shootout, whereas they blazed out against Atlanta and Atlanta were playing catch up, right? 684 yards through the air in the first two games is what they've allowed. Second worst in the league in passing defense. Now, like I say, those stats in particular can be uh, misleading 
if a team is blazing into a lead and therefore the opposition is playing catch up and and having to air it out to that degree and a lot of junk time yardage in, in that number. Nevertheless, when you weigh that up against Stafford and what uh, is clearly, as we open the show, talking about a massive upgrade in the Rams passing game and the connection he's built with Cooper Cup already, which just looks dynamo, that is going to be a massive worry, of course. The Bucks will be looking at their secondary. As Mike Carlson said on our show at the start of the week, that's the weak link, I guess, if, you, if you're trying to find one in the, in, in the Bucks defense. That is something that will be fascinating to see play out with the schematic innovation of Sean McVay getting more and more used to his shiny new toy and what he's able to do. That could get fascinating. But what about the the ground game? Because Henderson's got a knock. You've got Sonny Michel stepping up. Maybe they'll be able to find a bit more balance there, even against this stronger Rundy. Yeah, they, they, they're going to have to. Um, because mm. we, we know what Stafford can do through the air. And we know that he can try and pick on the... the the so-called weak link, and it, it is it is a it is a weak link, and it is a, it is a problem because the the secondary becomes as each NFL season passes, it becomes more and more important as it becomes an even more pass heavy pass heavy league. Mm. I I I worry about the Rams' ability to run the ball quite as much as they would need to against the Bucks because I love this Bucks run defense and it just, it just shuts people down. You know, it, the, the, the Cowboys pretty much gave up on it and it, yes, it was a shootout, but you know, Zeke really found it heavy sledding against, mm. against the Bucks. And if he, if he can find it difficult, then anyone can. Are we going to see 1200 passing yards in this game? Oh, I, I, it, it's, it's possible that it will be one of those, really really ridiculous games in terms of yardage i don't feel it's going to be a ridiculous game in terms of points scored um i think i think they've they've both got pretty decent red zone defenses when when things are on the line and that's kind of what helped the rams um against the colts when the the colts seemed to kind of be able to drive down the field and then just couldn't do something or they would they would force a turnover um is this the NFC Championship game you want oh, to see? I was, you know what? That is exactly what I've been thinking. Um, you know, right now that that is the NFC Championship game I would want to see. Hmm. But I want to see this preview first because it it could easily be that those flaws that we see are going to get magnified. Hmm. I'm, you know, my biggest surprise of this game is that it's a for UK time. It's a nine twenty five kickoff. This feels like how did how did this huge primetime game end up in the 425 local time uh, right. time slot like this if you if you need yeah, an early night they on Sunday, for Stafford to move to the Rams <laughs> yeah 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 You're like oh no one wants to <laughs> that, let's not let's not force golf on people like Stafford is you know I I've been thinking a lot in the last last couple of weeks about the about the rookie quarterbacks mm, and, we're gonna talk about it later on of course yeah and Matt Stafford is one of those is one of those players who, if if you get a chance in the off season, um, when you finish watching all these games, to go and watch full games of um, of Stafford's first season with the Detroit Lions, you will learn so much. You will learn so much about the way rookie quarterbacks develop and the the talent you can see while a player is also struggling and making mistakes. 
which he mm. was. And he was a day one starter and he was put in a bad position. He did not have a whole lot of talent around him. It was just, okay, get the ball to Megatron. Everything else can be a disaster. And it often was. And he would keep eventually, you know, by the end of the season, he was kind of keeping them, keeping them in games. Matt Stafford is because he was being kind of stuck in the kind of Detroit Lions kind of ghetto almost and didn't get to showcase himself in prime time very often, didn't get to play in the playoffs that often. He's waited so long for this. And he was always a great teammate for everybody in Detroit. He wasn't someone who was looking to get out. He did everything he could to help them win, was like a star in the community. But my God, this, this move, is perfect for him. This it, offense is perfect for him. And Cooper Cup is more perfect for him than Megatron was back then. Oh, that's like a, a big call. I don't mean better. I just mean more like at, the, at that at that point when he was it's playing. It's more of a sophisticated tandem in a way, isn't it? I guess because yes, you're right. Yes. Stafford would heave it up and, okay, big arm, hell of a throw. It's not a, as simple as defining that as, uh, you know, a hurl and hope. But Megatron was so dominating that, that, you know, playing jump ball, it was one dimensional. What we're already seeing, I think, with what McVeigh is dialing up and, and how those two are, are collaborating is range. And that's the really exciting thing. And I, I'm one of the things I am most excited about as this season progresses is watching this Rams offense develop because inevitably there is going to be, it, you know, I was thinking about this with, Mahomes uh, and the Chiefs and that Miami Super Bowl, we were out there all week, of course, and doing all kinds of things. And I remember we'd finished recording one of the shows uh, and we'd recording, uh, listeners will remember, we were recording early in the morning, right? We were on set by, we were recording by 7 a.m., right? I remember being in um, in makeup and believe me, I needed, <laughs> I mean, walking over to, to the hotel, um, where it was all set up before we get we get a, a car down to the the, the beach set with uh, with Propo and if we'd had a obviously hard working busy night uh, <laughs> took a while to wolf a coffee down and and wake up but I remember finishing that show and it was a strange feeling because you're done by seven thirty in the morning we go and get brekkie. I think this was the show that J-Bell was on and we only got Brecky, and then we all kind of went our separate ways because that's how the Super Bowl works. And it's like 9 a.m. The day is just starting really. And I went over to the, to the hotel, uh, the ESPN hotel, hold up at, at the, by the pool and rolled my sleeves up and wrote a piece on, for the times on Mahomes, Right. And that, I just remember this really clearly looking at the Andy Reid's chronology, Mike Vick with Donovan McNabb with, Working out why this was such a perfect timing, it was perfect timing and why the stars had aligned that you look at the uh, offensive innovation and development and chronology of his thinking and a quarterback with the skill set of Mahomes arriving at that time. Now, this isn't, of course, identical. But it's the same principle, I think. If you, it, much smaller sample size, McVeigh is much younger than Andy Reid, but the same principle. He has developed an offense and an approach, and now he's got a quarterback that can take it to the next level. I'm so excited about seeing what's going to happen this year. Yeah, I, you know, when you look at um, quarterbacks coming in uh, in the 2021 draft and feeling, you know, are they are they a good fit for their teams? Nobody, no, no new quarterback joined a team that was a better fit during that off season than, right. than Stafford becoming a Ram. It right. was just absolutely perfect. If, if you sat down and, and 
try to work out, okay, where would Stafford go where he would be um, an instant upgrade, mm-hmm. but also would be just the perfect fit for him with everything they're going to do schematically, the flexibility that they'll give him. Like if, if the Rams had the number one pick in the draft, then obviously they would have taken Trevor Lawrence. But really beyond that, there was, there was no better upgrade for them mm. because they, you know, Stafford's not right at the end of his career. Mm. And in this offense, he can play for longer than he would have in Detroit. I think in Detroit, he'd have had a few more seasons, but we, I think we're going to see a lot more of Matt Stafford now because of this. And well, it's better yeah, climate for starters. It really is. He's going to, he's going to keep a lot warmer. It, 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 one more on this, and then we'll move on because I really want to get into uh, Sunday Night Football next. But the point you make is a great one about Stafford being quite isolated or certainly marginalized in Detroit. And look, respect to, to Detroit fans, it's a great club, but it has been a slim picket. I think any Lions fan listening now would, would be the first to admit that if Marek was around there, he would hold his hand up and say it's been slim pickets. And that's, of course, one of the fundamental distinctions when you look at the NFL compared to say European football, right? That a player like Stafford, if you look at his Lions trajectory, he was the number one overall pick, wasn't he? Mm. First round, yeah, number one overall pick. Lands there, pl- you know, would play at a, a, a smaller club or a less successful club to be to be maybe more accurate in European football and then get the move to City or to Barca or to Real three, four, five years into their career, right? That doesn't happen in, in the NFL. And a lot of the time, and of course, the cyclical nature and the fact that there is a, a parity and the egalitarian construct of not teams shouldn't really dominate and the Patriots are an outlier and everything else. I get that, right? So you can you stick around and then you get good and the team gets good. So it doesn't really matter. But you do get these situations where you have a great player who is at a team that doesn't seem to break that trend, that is with maybe one or two seasonal exceptions, a perennial struggler or indifferent or just not at the races to the degree. And so you have this body of work that is going unnoticed because he's not in a sexy market. He's not on a contending team. And yeah, of course, everyone knows Matt Stafford and sees the odd highlights, but not maybe underestimating just how good a player he is. Yeah, 100%. Like if, if you're watching, if you're watching the, the games on Sky, for example, let's say you're watching, you're watching whatever games that they pick, before before he went to the Rams, you were you were seeing Stafford a couple of times a season, mm. and probably not late in the season. Thanksgiving, you'd always see him. Oh yeah, yeah, that that that's true. It, I bet for a lot of people, the the most they would see of him mm. was on that day because yeah. the the fan might be okay. Well, I'm watching my team, or I'm watching Red Zone, and then that particular Thursday in November, you get to see Matt Stafford usually against a good team and having and having problems and. So uh, I was talking to someone online a few weeks ago, um, a Lions fan who was really hoping that uh, Stafford with the Rams would beat the Bears, which, you know, you should want that if you're a Lions fan. You want your divisional rival to lose. Right. And uh, had done a screenshot of a preview that they'd read saying that um, Matt Stafford had an excellent record against the Bears. And I thought, what is that record? His record against the Bears is 11 and 9 or was with the Lions is now 12 and nine with the Rams. So 11 and nine counted as an excellent record. That's how low the bar has been <laughs> right. in Detroit during that time. And again, it's, this isn't kind of disrespect, but if you're pointing at 11 and nine being an excellent record, 
where there was, in fact, there was a, it was a night that you and I were doing a talk sports uh, NFL live. And Bears were beating the Lions quite comfortably. And then there, was a, there were a weird set of circumstances and somehow the Bears lost the game. Mm. If that weird set of circumstances hadn't happened, his record against the Bears would be 500. Mm-hmm. And are you then saying, oh, now it's no longer excellent. But just what that, that one weird win that the defense in effect had, it's an excellent record, 11 and 9. That tells you everything you need to know about Matt Stafford's time in Detroit. You know, their failures were not, were not down to him. There was a lot of poor drafting going on. There was a lot of poor personnel decisions. There was a lot of poor coaching. But there was very, very, very rarely poor quarterback play. And Matt Stafford is one of the most underappreciated NFL quarterbacks of the last two decades. You know, I want to throw something out there. Very well said, by the way, Ben Isaacs. But I want to throw something out there and we will move on for our listeners. At the NC Show, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're not on TikTok. I'm going to be speaking to Ollie right after recording about that. It's, it hasn't watched The Wire, it hasn't got us on TikTok. I mean, this is, uh, this is problematic, Ben, to be honest. It's, the success is going to his head, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Uh, the, what do you think out there? And hit us up on any of those platforms about the Rams and, and Rams fans in particular, but this is open to anybody. Let's take Mahomes out of the equation and let's take, say, let's take Mahomes, Brady, uh, actually, no, we'll keep Rodgers in. So Mahomes and Brady are off the table, but any other quarterback, either world was in the NFL or the rookie class coming through, who would you most like to see in at the Rams this season? Was there any, is there anyone more than a better fit than staff or you would have liked to see that more? Let us know at the NC show. We'll throw that one out there and see what, see what comes back. All right. Uh, let's go on to Sunday Night Football. The Packers back on track, of course, uh, although it was, and let's not turn this into a Lions bashing episode <laughs> by any stretch, but of course it was a, a relatively uh, favorable bounce for them to, to deal with the Lions after the complete carve up mess that week one ended up being um interestingly and this is one uh certainly for for propo on our edge rush show aaron rogers seven and oh following a loss under matt lafleur <laughs> and his and his and his incidentally his stats on top of that 20 touchdowns no interceptions on the back of a loss so he likes to flex we knew he would it was a complete shambles week one one of the weakest teams in the NFL to get back into the saddle against. He had four touchdowns, no picks, looked relatively straightforward, certainly in the second half. What were your main takeaways from the Packers win on Monday Night Football? Um, none of it surprised me. Um, there were a lot of, there were a lot of people. It's, you know, everyone overreacts after week one. And a score line like that and a performance like that, it wasn't just that the, it wasn't that the score didn't do the game justice. The score was completely um, accurate in how the Packers Saints games went. And the but, score was accurate and the, and the moodiness as well. That's what everyone oh, was keying in on. Oh, this is it. it's dysfunction. Everything we heard about in the off season's coming to roost and it's going to be, uh, you know. It is, it is a little bit dysfunctional in Green Bay and it always will be while Aaron Rodgers is there because Aaron Rodgers is the most powerful man in the organization because it's the only team without an owner as such, because it's owned by the community. Mm. There isn't one person like a Jerry Jones who can just put his foot down and say, no, this isn't happening. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is that person. And when you have someone with that sort of personality as the most powerful person in the building, there will always be dysfunction. 
So you've got you've got someone like that who doesn't always respect what the head coach is doing, and that's that's an issue. And where you've got someone like Aaron Rodgers saying that he wants the general manager fired, you know, things like that. That is dysfunction. And during do you reckon his- Jerry, do you reckon Jerry Jones, just on that tangent, do you reckon if Jerry Jones is in the Cowboys canteen in the facility and he's asked for an extra fries <laughs> and the person serving him says, no, everyone has the same amount. I think Jerry Jones will respect that. I reckon I, he would promote that person to catering, head of catering. I, do you know what? I think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Jerry Jones, um, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on Jerry Jones because he is absolutely fascinating. That's a great idea. We should do a whole podcast on Jerry. That's He's, a good off-season show. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you know, he, he played football at um, Arkansas, which is how he ended up kind of being such a fan and the, and the, the coaches that he ended up hiring um, when he was first there in Dallas. But yeah, I, do you know what position Jones, Jerry Jones played? Um, I want to say he was like a lineman. Um you know, they were smaller in those days. Was he alive? I'm looking it up now. Yeah, check, check, check it out. It was before my time, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, I think he played with Carlson, didn't he? There is a good um, ESPN SEC storied documentary, mm. I want to say, about his time at the University of Arkansas, which um, yeah. you, can, you can look up on. Uh, ESPN player. We're going to talk about uh, Arkansas, incidentally, on college. We day. are, we are, we we'll are. So if you're, yeah, let, if you're a Razorbacks the, fan, this is you getting real that. treats. Deep dive um, in the in the vault. He was an offensive lineman. He played. Oh, I always see it makes sense of what you're saying. He played with Jimmy Johnson at Arkansas as well. Yeah. And according to Wiki, and who would ever doubt the validity of Wikipedia, he was a member of the Kappa Sigma fraternity. Oh, <laughs> weren't we all? Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. He is. He is kind of the, in a way, the sort of archetypal. Um, like American capitalist multimillionaire. I don't, is he a billionaire? He probably is. No doubt. Um, but I think he likes the idea of not having people kind of coat out to him and just kind of treat lots of people differently. You know, if you watch Hard Knocks, him there about kind of making his, um, water burger orders and that if it's cold, he just would rather eat it cold than kind of heat it up. He's kind of his own sort of person and he wouldn't. He is a very player friendly guy. I mean, you know, especially if you're a star player, but he he treats he treats his players well. You don't see many former Cowboys players coming away True. criticizing criticizing Jerry Jones. And for all Jerry Jones's faults and people want to criticize him for all sorts of reasons, you know, I mean, yes, he hasn't won a Super Bowl in a while, but he did win three of them in four years, and he takes a massive amount of that credit. He put those teams together. Do you think the Cowboys are contenders this season? Um, Go back to I what think, we said at the top of the show. I mean, you can't. You they should. They should be out of contention. They're contenders, but are they serious contenders? Um, I mean, they should win that division, mm. um, which puts them in a good spot in the playoffs. And then it's, I guess, can they win a playoff game? Yes, they can. And if they win a playoff game, then they're at least in the divisional playoff. They don't have the talent that the Rams and the Bucks do, and I think those would be difficult they get, trips. Yeah, they get found yeah. out in the deeper waters, probably. Yeah, but, but be- they're very, they're very talented, and they. This is a team that can win a playoff game, and that maybe that sounds like faint praise. Ooh, they can win a playoff game. Not many teams each season win a playoff game. Mm. Um, so it's not, it's not a criticism. But to go back to my point, if you had mm. someone like Jerry Jones, you wouldn't have the Aaron Rodgers dysfunction because you'd have someone who is in charge rather than the loudest kid in the classroom being in charge because there's no teacher. So there is dysfunction at the Packers. Can you see it unraveling, Ben? I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't see it unraveling. I think 
the 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 worst we would see is what happened against the against the Saints. Well, that was pretty and, bad. Yeah, no, it, no. But what I mean is, I don't think we're going to get anything near as bad as that. And I uh, think okay. yeah. I think they've got that out of their system now. They've mm. had their terrible game, mm. and I think if, if you're a Packers fan, you'd rather that was in Week One, and you can then move on from it rather than it happens halfway through the season. Yeah, or it happens in December. If they keep winning, and I don't mean kind of go un- undefeated, but they should still win the NFC North. If they keep winning and they're leading the NFC North, maybe they've clinched the NFC North, that it will feel like that Saints game was an aberration, which I think it, even at the time when I was watching it, I thought this isn't, this isn't the, the death of this, this era. Rogers isn't done. This is just one of those really, really weird things that happen that yeah. sometimes someone can just have a really bad day at work where everything goes wrong or you are driving somewhere and it's a red, you hit the red light every single time. Mm. Sometimes those weird things happen and you just have to move on from it. And the way that Rogers is, he will move on from it. No one has got more, more confidence. And I'm not saying, I know there was people saying like, oh, he's trying to tank the season. He's trying to, you know, damage the, the Packers. <laughs> like if, you know what, if he did do it on purpose, his motivation would be just to get himself full of more spite. Yes. You know, he's, he, he lives on spite and, and bitterness because of the, because of draft, his draft day. That's what, that's what fuels him. Like the idea that people would be criticizing him so much over that will just have, stoked up his fires so much that he he can go all the way through to february just on that the packers the packers we saw against the lions although they weren't perfect that's the real packers Mm. forget the week one version the one we saw in week two is far far more like what we'll see for the rest of the season this team's only going to drop a few games all season oh okay so they are um in the mix this is a crucial game for them if they are indeed, as, as you're projecting, Ben, going to be there or thereabouts in terms of seedings, I think we're all pretty certain, even after two weeks, that mm. the 49ers are, are a playoff team, albeit the, the challenge there, of course, is they're in the toughest division in, in, in the league right now. So Absolutely. One of those teams is, is likely to, to miss out. The Packers are going to go in a bit short stacked as well. So on the line, David Bakhtiari's out. Zadarius so Smith, of course, also... Uh, out for for this one. Uh, and that is uh, uh, obviously short stacking them a little bit up against a 49ers side that has... Oh, they never have injuries, so they must be fine, right? <laughs> Not so much. Oh, uh, okay. So this is a surprise. Particular, I think we, we talked about whether you were getting a call up or maybe Ollie <laughs> was getting a yeah. call up for the Ravens at one stage at running back. <laughs> I wonder whether similarly the ground game is is a mess for the, the 49ers, of course, with... Uh, injuries. Well, Trey Sermon had a concussion, I think. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is a shoulder injury. Uh, Jermichael Hastie's uh, banged up as well. So they on the offensive side of the ball are, are feeling it a bit. Where are we on? Let's go to Jimmy Garoppolo. And it was an ugly old win against the Eagles. And in the same way, following through, you're thinking that most teams have very bad days from time to time. And, and all teams have indifferent uh, days from time to time and ugly wins where things aren't really rolling, but a win's a win. The, you know, the rainy 1-0 Tuesday night win at Stoke. Uh, the NFL <laughs> equivalent of that, I guess, was the 49ers, was it 17-11 win against... 17, that was such a weird score, just 11. You know, many, uh, many 17-11s, do you? The, so look, it wasn't 
pretty. Did you see it? Scott Hansen when he described the Buffalo touchdown as pretty? I thought it was great. Uh, <laughs> it certainly wasn't pretty for the for the 49ers. But uh, how much should we care about that? How much in particular are we looking at Jimmy G's trajectory this season? Because week one, Jimmy G's comeback player of the year. Week two, why didn't Trey Lance play? When's Trey Lance starting? So where are you on that one? Um, the you know I used to always call um, Jimmy G. I used to call. I used to call him the the West Coast Andy Dalton. That <laughs> there's there's not a lot of difference in the way that they play and their abilities. They're both they're both really good guys. They're both intelligent players. They're both limited and they're they're game managers. And you can you can only do so much with them. And the two teams they're starting for, they've got rookie quarterbacks behind them. Mm. Now, the thing is, is that when you've got the NFL equivalent of a kind of rainy Tuesday night against Stoke. This Eagles game was that because before the start mm. of the season, everyone thought the Eagles was practically like having a bye. And then they had a really good performance in week right. one and Jalen Hurts looked good. And I thought, okay, well, you know, just, you know pump the brakes on Jalen Hurts because I, I do quite like Jalen Hurts. And I think he can be an NFL starter, but I don't know how far he's going to take a team like the Eagles. He's, he's a decent player and that's probably that's probably what we're going to get from him this season we're going to get some yeah. games where he's good and some where he's not so good there were a lot of miscues from the eagles they looked not quite right the 49ers just had to kind of deal with it and in those situations they didn't need mm. a quarterback to produce some magic they needed a game manager to just do the things that needed to be done. You've got some running back injuries you just need to make some good decisions not give the ball away and Pretty much, Jimmy G just did that. He so this reminds grind me out. of that. It's a great point, and it reminds me so much of of their Super Bowl run of a, a few years back, right? And there was all the talk in Miami, of course. All the talk was on Garoppolo in going into that Super Bowl because of what had happened in the championship game, right? And and the fact that he had very little to do. And when you are being assessed to that degree not least in contrast with Patrick Mahomes, one of the most extraordinary players uh, of his and, and arguably any generation. Yep. It's, it's a, a very difficult thing, but it raised the question, which I guess is this is a similar one that was raised a few years back in the Super Bowl and during his time there with Jared Goffert uh, at the Rams, the limitations of this player, when you have an, offensive mind like Carl Shanahan or of course Sean McVay in LA are they holding is this are these quarterbacks holding them back and is that what where people are thinking that Trey Lance is raw you've told us on on this show a number of times in in the last year great upside great talent perhaps the most raw uh, of those five quarterbacks that went in in the first round but is that the expectation that he comes in, he is going to enable the 49ers to take it to the next level in terms of range and innovation. 100%. Basically, what the Rams did from going from Goff to Stafford is what it will be going from Jimmy G to Trey Lance once Trey Lance is ready. Right. Um, Jimmy G is holding back the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. And Shanahan will know that, which is why they traded up and gave up so much to get Trey Lance, who's someone that they absolutely coveted, because they know his limitations. There's no point putting Trey Lance in right now. 
absolutely none. Like he, I don't think he would have won that game. Whereas Jimmy G will have won it. Mm. He'd win it. And that's a, that's a really key point that for all of the obsession and understandable obsession with electrifying, expansive, freewheeling offense. Right? And we all want to see, we all love to see that as fans of the game, but, but inevitably it, um, detract from the effectiveness of a player like Garoppolo. So yes, you have the increased possibility and potential and, and range with a player that has more raw talent and, and different and different raw skills. But we shouldn't underestimate the fluency and efficiency of, of a player like Garoppolo. And as we've seen many times in the NFL, it can be enough. It can be enough to win a championship. Yeah, and he he knows that offense. You right. know he's he's been he's been running it for a few years. He knows it better than better than anyone. He is the best person in place right now to win games for the San Francisco 49ers. Not not Trey Lance, and that's not because he's so much more talented than Trey Lance because he clearly isn't. But he's the right man for the job right now. And unlike say the Bears situation where that's a team that isn't going to make the playoffs no matter who's the quarterback. Mm. The, the 49ers can make a good run in the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Mm. So that is what they should do. Trey Lance was picked for the future. He was not picked for 2021. Right. If he's playing, it means either Garoppolo is injured or the season has really kind of gone off the rails. Unless they use him as this, as this pinch hitter. So they, yeah. Shanahan was asked about that because he played four snaps in week one, ran three times for two yards and he threw, of course, the, t- the touchdown pass, right? They didn't feature at all uh, against Philly. And Shanahan said, uh, I never have a plan that, hey, I'm going to use him or I'm not going to use him. Just read that again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I never have a plan. Hey, I'm going to use him or I'm not. I think, well, of course, what Shanahan means, he doesn't go into the game with a, I'm definitely yeah. doing this. He's going to roll the dice if he feels it. Uh, what you know, watching that 49ers Eagles game, there was no point where I thought, Oh, do you know what the smart thing to do now is? Is bring Trey Lance on, right? It, whereas against the Lions, when they when they used him in the situation that they were using him in, mm-hmm. it was it was different. That Eagles game was just it was a weird, tight game. You needed someone to just keep you know, just keep a handle on things, and that's and that's what Jimmy G does. And you know, we've all got to try and reclaim the phrase game manager mm. because do you know what? If, if you can't keep a job, no one's really calling you a game manager. You're only a game manager if you're actually managing the bloody games in the first place. Do you right. know what I mean? Right. Well, and he, sure. He, he and, uh, and Andy Dalton have made pretty decent careers, especially Andy Dalton. I mean, he was a quarterback, a starting quarterback with the Bengals for a long time and took them to the playoffs. And yeah, they didn't win a playoff game. But like I say, that's a hard thing to do. Not everyone does. Mm. But he was managing those games and racking up wins. And this is what Jimmy Garoppolo does. And mm-hmm. unless you've got transcendent talent around yeah. those quarterbacks, then really you're only going to go so far, but let's give a little bit of respect to these game managers, because st- if you're a backup quarterback, you might be considered to be a game manager type, but you're not actually managing any games. All you're mm-hmm. doing is just sitting there holding a clipboard. Garoppolo manages these games and has managed them to a two and start. Like it. I, uh, team Jimmy, definitely. Uh, I, uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, incidentally, the athletic reporting, the free agent running backs that are being tried out by the 49ers this week. See if you can guess. Can I go get a throw? throw some <laughs> oh, God. Free agent running back bingo at you. Oh, man. 
I can't think of who the free agents are. I mean, it's a hard call. When I read it, I thought, of course, but I wouldn't have got any as well. Lamar Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. No, TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Duke Johnson as well. Duke, uh, Duke, Duke Johnson. Johnson. It's a fascinating world, isn't yeah. it? That, that kind of another region of players that just bounced out of the league that still want to go. They haven't said, well, you know what? Sod it. I'm 27. I've made a few quid. I'm going to, I'm going to go and open a, chain of gyms back home you know they like i still want to still want to go i mean yeah i you know maybe just maybe give frank gore a call (laughs) you know i heard he wants to take up boxing um is that frank gore wants to take up boxing yeah frank gore wants to take up boxing i mean he's seven oh i would love to see frank gore versus a paul brother (laughs) oh yeah love that Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Sign me up, sign me up for that one. Make it frank. Happen. Let's talk Monday Night Football. Eagles, Cowboys. We've touched on both the teams, of course. And you mentioned what you think on uh, about Jalen Hurts. He was as we expected, I guess, good against the the Niners with his legs. He had eighty two yards on ten carries, which led the team, incidentally, uh, but not uh, hot stuff in the air. Um, so Hurts, very much a work in progress defensively the eagles have got problems of course with brandon graham who is is he gone for the season graham uh, i think he is i think yeah. he is and that's and that's a blow i mean the the eagles have one of the mm. thinnest rosters of course he is it's, a, it's achilles isn't it yeah, yeah he's um they've got one of the thinnest rosters in terms of kind of like sort of the the depth in mm. terms of quality um in the league and when they lose players they've got they've got problems. They should be very pleased to be um, at one-on-one right now. That's, that's a, that's a good thing for them. I, like the, the Cowboys, like Dak looks, that looks fine. Um, and that's, I think what, what you'd want from him at this point, you know, he, he, lo- he looks fine. He looks like he can, he can get the job done. Um, the Cowboys were so close to being two and O if they'd beaten the Bucks, I think people, you know, like, they're a field goal away from winning that game. Right. And if they'd won that game, the conversation would be, can the Cowboys win the Super Bowl? Mm. You know, it, it wouldn't be, are they a contender? It's, can they win the Super Bowl? Mm. And the question now is, you know, are they, are they a contender? And it'll be very interesting to see the way that they play against the Eagles, you know, whether it's kind of, whether they kind of go for the jugular straight away because they've got the offensive weapons to do it. Are they going to like how much pressure are they going to put on Jalen Hurts with like kind of Micah Parsons, um, who's who was, you know, he he was really good last week as a really. pass rusher. Yeah. So yeah. We, we got into this with Mike. If you, if you uh, again, if you haven't heard the, the show, me and Carlson dropping Mondays, looking back at the weekend's action, we talked a bit about that and how uh, how Parsons stepped up into that role but Carson was talking you would know this of course as our resident college expert mm. and that Parsons as a backer was still rushing the quarterback quite a lot in college so Absolutely. although he hadn't played his end uh, wasn't completely alien to him but yeah he is front runner already for defensive rookie of the year right he's uh, looking the business just on this game some interesting things to keep an eye on including on the Eagles side Zach Ertz because he is has tested positive for COVID, but could still start. They're saying, uh, interestingly, and as we we go through this season, we're going to have, uh, of course, more and more uh, of this happening, where teams and lineups and rosters uh, are affected by by COVID in in different ways. So that's a big loss for the Eagles if he can't start. But there is a possibility, although he's listed 
the time of recording the depth chart is out. The report suggests he could, uh, for various reasons, because he's been double jabbed. Um, the uh, could still start. Amari Cooper's the big injury concern offensively for the Cowboys. It's a rib injury as well, which uh, uh, same situation with Tua uh, in Miami. You never quite know whether that's going to be, we'll tape him up and he'll go in the next week or, or okay, that's a, that's a fractured rib. You're out for a good couple of weeks there. So Amari Cooper day to day. Yeah. I mean, if, if anyone there, if anyone out there listening has had a rib injury and I've had, I've had a couple and the last time I, um, basically kind of, I managed to tear the muscle off the bone. Oh, um, I did this doing something really glamorous. I was doing it, um, putting the cover on the table in the garden. Once I decided yeah, the weather's too bad, I'm putting the cover on and I moved it and I, I kind of heard a pop. What? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I did that doing something really dull and just the way that, the way that it affects your whole body movements when you're a wide receiver, if you're dealing with something like that, oh, any boy. potential hit there, any quick twist, it can make it so difficult. So even, even if he's playing, they, there is a, there is limitation in the movement. Mm. And that's, that's bad news for Dallas. I mean, he's going to recover quicker than, quicker than me. He's got, um, well, he's got better medical care. Isn't and he's clear younger. if Amari Cooper also hurt his ribs in a, uh, garden party incident that is yeah. presume it was in 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 by the practice in the game but he could have yeah. aggravated it back home um, could have done. doing it but then. it's an issue because michael gallup's obviously on ir um and so that is a problem i think i know there's depth here but zeke uh, zeke and pollard made some hay last week and that seems to be a pretty potent tandem and of course they've got cd lamb cedric wilson in the mix as well but yeah it, hot take Number one, it's a fundamentally different passing attack mm. if you're taking Cooper and Gallup out of the mix, right? I mean, yeah, and absolute studs. And the Eagles have not been giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points, right? Um, even though they've now got some problems. This is this is this is going to be a really good test for this Eagles defense. If they can keep the Cowboys to a relatively low score, even if they lose, then at the very least, people are going to have a lot of respect for the Eagles defense. Mm. This is a chance for Jalen Hurts on a on a big stage to show that he belongs and i think what's going to happen is they're going to get michael parsons in his face a lot mm. and that's going to be difficult in week one he made a lot of really good short passes and then against the 49ers he was throwing much further and generally getting a lot of incompletions now the 49ers seem to just baffle jalen hurts um when it came to kind of their pass coverage which i'm not sure the cowboys will do as much i think it is going to be more of a kind of brute force approach but jalen hurts is is a is a smart guy he's and he's physical and he's instinctual he hasn't got all the he hasn't got all the tools when it comes to kind of like making all those passes but it might be that they're going to force him out of the pocket and there's going to be a lot of a lot of scrambles Mm. maybe they'll mix in a lot of designed runs because they've been pretty good on the ground and he's been good Mm. on the ground so i'm i'm fascinated by this one because Mm. if the if the eagles win then I think we're going to have to start taking the Eagles a bit more seriously. Um, and if the, if the Cowboys win, then are they kind of marching to a relatively easy NFC East crown? We'll we'll find out. Okay, a quick line on a few other games from you. Let's start with your beloved Chicago Bears. They're at the Browns. Uh, heavy dogs on the road in Cleveland, which is fair. Which, fair. Is, which is fair. What's the quarterback situation? First of all. 
Well, as it stands, um, the Bears have said that if Andy Dalton is good to go, then he's the starter, which might surprise some people, but it shouldn't. Um, the Bears, rightly or wrongly, have got the plan that they want uh, Justin Fields to sit and learn um, while Andy Dalton starts. Now, last week, Andy Dalton played better than Justin Fields. Now, that doesn't mean that Bears fans want Andy Dalton because Justin Fields shouldn't look fantastic straight away. Number one, he's a rookie. And number two, like with any of these rookies who are not starting already, when they are in practice, they are practicing with the backups. So, the you know, Justin Fields in practice isn't throwing to Darnell Mooney. He's not throwing to Allen Robinson. Mm. So they don't have that connection like Andy Dalton Andy Dalton does. I think we're going to see Andy Dalton start um, against the Browns. Um, and that's going to be less exciting from a Bears point of view because people want to see Justin Fields. The, the season's not really going to go anywhere. It's going to be, it's going to be like you know, an eight and nine season, mm. I would guess. Um, so good time to play the Browns though, because Jarvis yeah, yeah, Andrews yeah. and I are, uh, Oda Beckham's out as well. So if, if the bears can, if the bears can put Baker under some pressure and if they can confuse him with um, some of the fronts that they'll show him, like, like they confused Joe Burrow, mm. then they could do something. You know, the, the bears forced four turnovers against the Bengals and the game was still close. Right. You know, a, it shouldn't have been, but it got but it close was, yeah. towards the end. Um, the, the Bengals kept killing themselves with penalties. And if the Browns don't do that, then they'll probably establish a lead early on. And if they've got a lead, do you really fancy Andy Dalton to kind of like sling it around and engineer a comeback? Probably, probably not. Uh, now, three more games. I want a line from you on each of them. Incidentally, on Edge Rush. Uh, which uh, is dropping Saturday morning, depending on when you're listening to this. It might be before or, or after, but check the vault and it will be there. We're going to look at Chiefs, Chargers, Finns, Raiders, uh, and Saints, Pats in detail. I know that some Raiders fans were getting in touch with us on social saying, where's the love for the Raiders? Well, tune into Ed Rush because I am hmm. team Gruden. I am team Carr. Certainly should be right now. Big on the Raiders. Hey, I they was big on the Raiders. It. I'm pretty sure if you go back, in time you'll hear that i was big on the raiders before oh yeah yeah i mean you have been an outspoken supporter of ev- not i was gonna say everything that carl and gruden have done perhaps not everything but the that they were being buried far too early and i think you're being vindicated now thanks bud you got my back and i appreciate <laughs> that uh, and uh, we've got your back raiders fans because we're going to get into that in more detail so uh, we're kind of splitting a lot of the the week three action between the two shows in that respect but uh ben on jets broncos first of all and zach wilson Oh boy, that's a tough old place to go after the game he's had up against one of, on paper anyway, one of the the most effective secondaries in the game and a and a pretty good all round defense. So somebody watched a lot of him in college is somebody who very wisely suggests we mustn't get carried away. How concerned are you about what you saw from Zach Wilson last week? Uh, Zach Wilson was terrible. Zach Wilson has been pretty bad this season. Now, I wasn't in favor of, of him being drafted as highly as he was drafted right. um i felt that because he, he and this this can happen with a lot of quarterbacks that they have one good season joe burrow had one good season admittedly it is one of the greatest seasons the quarterbacks ever had in college football history mm-hmm. but it was one good season that was the only chance that he had to start zach wilson had started a lot of games for byu had one good season 
in a COVID year, which meant that their most difficult games came off the schedule. And they played cupcakes and he played against teams that were very talent poor. The toughest game he had all season was a game against Coastal Carolina. And if you don't follow college football and you don't know who Coastal Carolina are, that is fine. I wouldn't expect you to. If you do, you, you will know that Coastal Carolina are pretty good. It's not like facing Alabama. And he struggled against Coastal Carolina. And that was mm-hmm. the toughest game that he faced. I feel that he's still really raw, considering he started for like three years at BYU. He makes poor decisions. He doesn't see his receivers as well as he should. He's got a little bit too much confidence in his own ability when he should kind of calm it down and not try to get it through that really tight window. I'm not the world's biggest Zach Wilson fan. However, these, yes, he's had two really bad games, but you know what? He's on a really bad team Mm. and these things will happen. Trevor Lawrence to me has been as I expected as well in that, you know, he's not been perfect. Zach Wilson is going to struggle this season. I'm sorry, Jets fans. He's going to struggle. Even if he turns out to be your long-term starter, even if he becomes like a Matt Stafford, he's going to struggle this season because he's really not there yet. He's not, he's not really ready. And on offense, they, they do not have the weapon. So the lines banged up as well, which is really bad luck for him that you yeah. know, going out early on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, speaking of uh, the number one overall pick, the Jags at the cards, the cards are lighting things up. It's going to be an interesting game. I think because the Jags are showing they can land some blows and a considerable improvement week on week. I think it's fair to say for Lawrence um, early doors, small sample size. What are you made of his life, uh, his start to life in the pros? Um, I mean, I think he's been okay at times. Um, he's, you know, he threw a couple of picks. He didn't get a whole lot done, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the first few games, really, from everything I saw. It was, I mean, he's someone who does not have the talent around him. Sure. And there's a reason the Jags were picking number one. Same problem, yeah. And, you know, they, uh, I didn't agree with it, but they felt that drafting Travis Etienne, who was his running back in college, was mm. going to be there as his kind of safety blanket. They drafted him much too highly, and then then he can't even play. Mm. Um, so things haven't really gone well in that way. And, you know, you've got all this talk of the, the Jaguars having to come out and say Urban Meyer is not leaving. You know, they did <laughs> yeah. after one yeah. game because of Urban Meyer's reputation. Now, I don't think he's going anywhere, and I think Trevor Lawrence will be just fine. It's like Andrew Neal and uh, GB News. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. the same. Uh, okay, quick line, because we've got to get out of Dodge. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, the Pats hosting the Saints. Again, a, a good time for the Pats to... Well, depends which way you look at this. I think it's a good time for the, uh, for the yeah. Pats to be to be dealing with a jittery Jameis and after a very promising Saints debut, of course, it was uh, bad. Jameis last week, pick central. They got a lot of pressure, of course, on him, and it wasn't uh, uh, it wasn't a fluent performance by any stretch of the imagination. And Fox jumping, particularly Mac Jones is where I want to take you as our as our college expert. How have you? Because everybody seems very happy with Mac Jones, but he's not exactly taking too many risks and they're not asking too much of him at the moment. Do you expect that to change? Does it not matter? Is it fine that he's dinking and dunking it and Chad Pennington style seven yard? Mm. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's fine. I think, I think that's what Bill Belichick feels is the way to win right now. Because if you, if you go back and look at how he was last season at Alabama, he only started one season at Alabama and it was one of the 
greatest offensive seasons that a team has ever had in college football history. But he went into every single game knowing that his wide receivers were substantially better than anybody covering them. And if he wanted to just take a a deep shot, chances are they would come down with it. Like we were talking about Stafford and Megatron that, okay, well, we need, we need to get like, we want to get into field goal range. There's 40 yards to go. I'm just going to heave it up. Megatron can come down with it. Like Mac Jones could do that every week with the players that he had at Alabama. But he's also really much more of a game manager type. When you put him in a situation where he doesn't have the massive advantage of all the best wide receivers in the country on his team, which he doesn't have in New England. Mm. So he's having to play much more conservatively, be kind of like doing, doing that dink and dunk. The, you know, the Chad Pennington comparison, it, fe- it feels maybe like an insult, maybe not. Chad Pennington was a very serviceable guy. Yeah, no, I, I was always a big Pennington fan. Yeah, it definitely wasn't an insult. It's no, no. But like, I can imagine people hearing it like, oh, Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington, you know, he was a bit more than a game manager. Yeah. Mac Jones, I think, will be more than a game manager. His, mm-hmm. his upside is, is nowhere near Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson can put it all together, he will be a lot better than Mac Jones. Mm. But would you rather be in Mac Jones's shoes or Zach Wilson's shoes? Would you mm. rather be, you know, in like, it's, it's not like I think the Jets are absolute chaos because they are at the start of a rebuild. It's not like, it's not like anybody thought, oh, there's Zach Wilson away from being mm. a contender. This was just, he, he's a building block. Mm. Mac Jones, like the, the Patriots are always rebuilding. You know, it's even, even with Brady, it was like, right, players are going to go and we're going to bring people yeah. in and it's just going to keep rolling, maybe reloading rather than rebuilding. Mm. The, the Patriots are now a different animal and Belichick will know how to use Mac Jones and he's currently using him very effectively. And I think that's just going to continue. We're not going to see the Mac Jones from Alabama because, you know, unless they manage to clone Randy Moss and they have three Randy Mosses, he can't do that in the NFL anyway. I think Randy Moss might spend some of the money he made in the NFL cloning himself. Or like, oh, or, or, I'd love that. I think he'll be big on cryogenics. I think Straight we'll see- cash, homie. <laughs> Randy Moss in 20, what, 2,327. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when presumably we'll be playing in space with holographic uh, players and you could have 11, basically taking Randy Moss, but customizing Randy Moss so he can play Tight end, running back, quarterback. So it's basically, Randy Moss would have an entire team of Randy Mosses, is what I'm saying, in yeah, 300 I, years in space ball. Yeah, because like Randy Moss's actual son wasn't, you know, he kind of had a, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Yeah, right, you know, he, of course. Yeah. He was part of that amazing LSU offense that Joe Burrow was the, was yeah, the quarterback yeah. for. But if we're going to get another Randy Moss, clearly we need to just, we need to, we need to clone Randy because mm. his offspring are not going to do it. There's, really, there's only one Randy Moss. Basically, there is only on that on that hot take. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna wrap things up. At treats your bed is how you follow uh, uh, my good friend on Twitter, uh, old Insta as well, right? Same handle. Um, it's be- at it's at Ben Isaacs on Twitter. B e n i s a a c s. There you go. Uh, go check it out. Uh, go check him out. We uh, go check out college days as well. Of course, Ben and I are dropping that earlier on this week. So, lot of Ben uh, coming your way this week, and plenty more coming your way this season. Great stuff, bud. Look after yourself. Yeah, speak to you soon. Brilliant stuff from Ben. Like I said at the top of the show, you can hear him on College Days. That is out at the moment in our pod vault. Also, Iron Mike's 
wheeling and dealing and styling and profiling from week two that dropped Monday. So that is still available to go and check out. Mike will be back this coming Monday to look back at all the week three action. We've got an edge rush as well. Propo and I getting you set for the weekend. Number of the games we didn't do on today's show, we will do on edge rush. So between them, companion pieces, it should get you completely set for all the weekend's action. Hope you've enjoyed it. I've certainly enjoyed chatting to Ben and getting set for what looks like another compelling weekend of football. Cannot wait. Enjoy. And we'll see you Monday. Bye for now. Fellow baseball nuts, join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia. But we also have David Langell who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh show available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.